What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Comrades Classroom Podcast. The purpose of this project is to raise political consciousness and encourage our listeners to get involved with or form their own abolitionist organization. On this episode, we sit down with two members of a mutual aid project called Feed the Block Inland Empire. To support their work, be sure to give them a follow on Instagram, donate, and get involved. If you're a fan of the political education work we're doing, help us care for our neighbors by kicking over a few bucks every month at patreon.com backslash the people's fund. Excuse me, everyone, I have a brief announcement to make. Jesus was black, Ronald Reagan was the devil, and the government is lying about 9-11. Thank you for your time and good night. having that dream where you made the white people riot, weren't you? But I was telling the truth. How many times have I told you you better not even dream about telling white folk the truth? You understand me? Shoot. Making white people riot. You better learn how to lie like me. I'm going to find me a white man and lie to him right now. I am the stone that the builder refused. I am the visual, the inspiration that made ladies sing the blues. I'm the spark that makes your idea bright. The same spark that lights the dark so that you can know your left from your right. I am the ballad in your box, the bullet in the gun, the inner glow that lets you know to call your brother son. The story that just begun, the promise of what's to come. And I will remain a soldier till the war is won. Started. All right, for sure. And don't don't trip about like I mean we can go through and edit shit, so it's whatever. Uh, if you need time to think or there's pauses or like you know whatever, just just do you Ooh. whatever you need. You need a second phone call. You need to take a break. Whatever. Um, all right, so we'll get started. So our first question for y'all um, is really just uh, kind of an introduction. Uh, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved with Feed the Block IE or quote-unquote organizing work. Oh, you want to go, uh, Michaela? Yeah, I can go. Um, so my name is Michaela, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-A. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in the IE, um, and I have been living here since I was, I don't know, my whole life. Um, I come from a mixed background, so I am black and Latinx. Um, and so I really hold that identity, um, very close, um, and all my beliefs in the way that I walk in the world and how I, um, interact with different people. Um, I went to undergrad in San Diego at the university of San Diego, and I got a degree in ethnic studies. Um, and so just from that and going to a PWI, it really pushed me, um, into this organizing world and just having a different mindset of what we've been, what we've had, like our entire lives, what the U S, um, the U S propaganda gives us. Um, so from that, I've just gotten involved in things on my campus, um, pretty small stuff. Um, and it wasn't until actually this past 
summer of 2020 um, was when I got really, really involved in the community because um, I got to move back because of COVID um, and I moved back to the IE. And so I just started doing work out here. Um, I think for me, one thing that I always hold close is um, just the love that I have for community. I always, that radical love, I think is really what um, pushes me to do um, everything that I do. Um, the love for the community, the love for my people, the love for <laughs> just the revolution, honestly. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a little like about me in a nutshell. I don't know, Mikey, you wanna take it over? Yeah, um, my name is Mikey, um, M-I-K-E-Y. Um, yeah, I kind of just, I was born and raised in IE, just like Michaela as well. I um, lived with my great grandpa in a four generation household. So it was my great granddaddy, my grandma, um, my, my parents, um, and then me. And then um, I kind of like shaped a little bit of my outlook because um, my parents were like working a lot or like, always gone so I was just like mostly kicking it with my granddaddy and um he like kind of shaped my like view because he 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 made like he was born in 19 like early 1900s and um he kind of like had a different worldview of the world he was like a he moved he migrated over from Boston um Massachusetts and he made it he owned most like he he owned like property like and he like was a very like put yourself up by the bootstraps type of dude for sure um and then after he kind of passed away um that's when like we my family we started moving around um he was kind of like the rock of the family and stuff like that and then like we just moved moved around bounced around and then I probably lived in like honestly like five homes before I got to high school and then after that um I was just like thought I was gonna be a capitalist too it's like I was like oh I just gotta work hard um I'm smart like I'm in all these AP classes I'm hella smart I'm hella like I'm gonna go to college because like if you work hard you're gonna make it um and then like I got to UCSB and once I got there I ended up like freshman year I just like it was life was easy dorms just dining commons didn't have to like take care of myself or like be like self-sustaining that much and then once I moved out I was like damn like I, I gotta learn how to cook um rent is hella expensive um so I, I had worked like from my freshman year of college um and then like I was just using that money on like the same I was using it like during high school just like on stuff I wanted and like just little expenses here and there but um then like my second year of college is when I started like having to work a job do Uber Eats and like little side hustles here and there to like even just be able to afford rent. Um, and while I was on EBT too. And then, um, so I, I considered dropping out multiple times because I wasn't really a big fan of school. And then like, I almost dropped out after my fourth year to take a year off. Cause I was like, dude, I'm so poor. I'm working so much. Like, fuck all that. Like, I'm not trying to stay in school. Um, but then like, I ended up like just deciding to go back um, last minute. So I was houseless for the fall. Um, and then one of my friends, fall of 2019, one of my friends, Temo, he let me sleep on his like air mattress on the floor at his place for the first quarter. Then I was able to like secure some housing and um, spring quarter of 2020 when like all the uprisings started to happen. I was just living by myself because all the other 
people in my housing unit opted out of their housing contracts. And um, then I ended up just like being alone and like listening to hella podcasts, like hella black. Um, I came across Afro Marxist and then I was like, it was just me by myself listening to all these radical um, like podcasts and forms of media. And then after that, like I was also taking my thesis course and my like emphasis on history was colonial history. So I had a professor um, named Professor Chikawero, who's also my mentor. He was the first person from like Africa, um, like born and raised and like lived there down near his like whole, like first half of his life there, um, like give me hella game. And I thought he was like wild for assigning as much reading as he did. But then I realized like after taking a couple of his classes, he was the only like one teaching about colonization on the continent. So I appreciate him. And then moved back, met the homie, uh, Michaela, through one of our mutual friends. And then we both decided it's time to get it shaken um, in the IE. Cause yeah, it was just time to get it shaken for sure. Yeah, what I mean, what I, what I love hearing in both y'all's y'all stories um, is is this this reality that like your 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 life's journey or whatever you want to call it, your political consciousness was it was not it was always made up of like both your identities and your like direct experiences. Um, and, and then like Mikey, right? You talk a little bit about how that um, was kind of formulated even more and more as you started to study. Um, and and Michaela, for me, one thing was super interesting that you talked about was this like this intersection of your identity uh, being black and Mexican. Because for me, um, when I first moved to Santa Ana, uh, like that was the that was the first time my pops. I was living there for like a year. My pops was like, "Hey, but did you know that like Grandma, Grandma Emma, Emma Martin, like her name was originally Emma Martinez." Uh, and, and he he draws this connection for me and, and starts to tell the story of how uh, her parents actually immigrated from Mexico. And it's a story he never told me before until I was living in Santa Ana. He came to visit me. Uh, and so I just know, like, for me, learning that and then being in the direct, like, struggle and organizing alongside, like, folks in Santa Ana and in the community, like, totally changed, like, for me, at least changed the game. Um, so, so I appreciate both y'all, y'all narratives and your stories. Um, and I'm wondering if, if I can kind of build on those, um, if you can talk, if we're thinking about like your political journey, um, and your political consciousness, like were there key, like individuals, experiences, moments in your life? I know you already talked about it a little bit, but, um, is there anything else y'all could think of that, um, that what happened in your life that kind of pushed you right in your political consciousness or challenged you to struggle with it? Uh, yeah, I think it goes back to like, so I had two homies, uh, who were, they were like communists since our, uh, second year. Um, and they were like reading, like actually doing the work, um, like not doing like the material condition changing work, just like the academic thought work. Um, and I was like, those fools are like nuts. Um, like they're not making any sense. Like it's not. Like, why? Nah, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. But then, um, like, I was actually a communications major at first. Then I didn't get into the major at my school. And then I, I, like, I was always doing good at history. But then I realized, like, I was good at history and, like, the high school and, like, intro courses because I was good at just regurgitating the propaganda. Um, So it kind of just happened, like, a little bit by chance. I, like, switched my major over from, like, obviously, like, my experiences, I was, like, pro like BLM, um, but like more in like a liberal stance. I was like, yeah, like Black Lives Matter. Um, I'm about to vote for Bernie Sanders and like 
all that stuff. But then spring 2020 hit and um, I was living by myself um, <clears throat> and all that, like everything that was just popping up on the TL, I was like living by myself. Um, it seemed like everybody on Twitter was kind of just like, damn, like, let's just carry about our business. It's sad what happened um, to all the names of like every African um, that were, were slain in such a short time. Um, even though it's like constantly happening, it's just like seeing those like real, like evidential, like exp like instances really kind of just shaped me. And then I organized a protest that I'm not, I'm not too proud of anymore. I'm at UCSB because it was very um, like reactionary. Cause um, it was just like more of a, like let's all gather together and like only black people were allowed to speak. And it, it was, it was good just because in the sense that it built like revitalized, like the, like the black community at UCSB. Cause there's like very few black people out there. Um, and then like, <clears throat> after that, I like just kept reading and then realized like, damn, like once you read the autobiographies of a lot of like the, those who came before you, you realize I'm like, damn, like I'm not this, like thought leader i'm not like this um like I'm not the center of the movement like i shouldn't that's that shouldn't have been like my protest um like and then after i saw like the clips on the news i was like spinning some radical game i was like oh like yeah we need to like abolish the police um and all the state violence that like the university enacts and they just like clipped a little portion that was like you see the power of when we all come together and that's literally like the only uh clip they took in the interview and yeah um after that i just kept it going because I was like I think Hella Black was like the biggest they're the biggest influencers because they like suggested a lot of books and like I probably flew through like the first 50 episodes within spring quarter just because I was like I hated the silence of living alone like my my complex was empty and I was just like learning hella game and I was like damn like so much I didn't know and if you want to go ahead and Michaela uh kind of explain yeah, I mean, I don't know, DJ, did you want to add something? No, no, I was going to push to you. Oh, right. Um, so, yeah, my political consciousness, I think for my for myself, it's been more of like actual experiences um, mixed in with like, that's how it's shaped um, where I am today and the radical consciousness that I've developed. Um like I said, just like that identity, um, which I know like a lot of mixed kids have this like mixed kid, mixed racial identity crisis or whatever. Um, but I feel like that has like really affected me like throughout my whole life. Um, just trying to figure out what is blackness and like, what does that look like? Um, because I wasn't really close with my black side. Um, and when I got older, I was ended up not having contact with my dad, who's my the black parent. So it's been like an interesting, I feel like for me, like getting involved or just learning about my ancestors and like the radical um, legacy, I think has been like healing. Also um, just helping me kind of with my consciousness. Um, so I ended up going to a PWI. Um, and when I was there, like I had never been <laughs> around that many white people like I'm talking about white people, like people from East Coast, like Boston, like big money yachts type of like white people. Um, and I oftentimes like was for the first probably two years, I was the only person of color literally in multiple classrooms. Like and I had never been in that scenario. And that that really pushed me um, to 
just dive deep into like who I am, um, into my ancestry and all of that. And that's when I found ethnic studies. Um, and kind of like what Mikey was saying, I also had to work. I never, I worked my entire time when I was going to college, I worked multiple jobs because I could not afford to pay tuition, um, to that school. And so one time I remember it was my first year, um, I was still trying to adapt. And, you know, when you're 18 and you're, it's your first year away from school or away from your family, you're like, you know, let's get it cracking. Let's go out, let's go have fun, like whatever. Um, but I was working. And so I remember I had to work at like, like a convenience store on campus. And I was like making this white frat boys sandwich. Cause it was like a subway. And he, I put something wrong on the sandwich and he just like responded to me in a way that was so demeaning. And he was like, do you even speak English? Like some like shit like that. And all of my coworkers and I, um, we all speak Spanish. Cause that's just, I'm going to speak the language that, um, you know, of my people that are in the, in the area. So just like that is just, it's just little things like that, that throughout my life have happened. And I think trauma also pushes that away. Um, and it like pushed it away for me to think about. Um, and it wasn't until like with ethnic studies, like that shit really opened up my eyes in a way that I'd never would have ever been able to do if I was just in a different major or just in a different part of that school um, and just in life. Um, and that's when I met like everybody and all the like-minded people. Um, that's where I met just people that my advisor, who is I still talk to to this day um, and just shit like that. And I was still at this point, I would say I was still like a rad lib. I don't think because I learned like, you know, radical quote unquote things through the university it still wasn't radical in a sense like we didn't read like or we didn't really talk about communism we didn't talk about pan-africanists in like a deep ass level um for us to really understand what it was um and i would say it wasn't until probably the summer um actually no i would say it was probably when covid really hit um and that's when i was writing my senior thesis on like just the racial capitalism of the U S and just seeing like my people struggle, like in so many different areas. And it's so obvious who is struggling and who's not, um, just in the IE, um, just seeing people not have food, um, don't have access to, you know, just a lot of different things and they can't live. Um, and so, and then when George Floyd was murdered, um, that shit sent me, <laughs> that shit sent me into a world. I wish I feel like, I mean, the whole world um, was saw and I just just was just filled with like this like rage that I've never felt before in my entire life. Um, and it just like pushed me to get involved or just to get shit cracking, honestly. Um, but I think what really like radicalized me, radicalized me to the absolute core was when throughout the summer when they were doing all the uprisings and I would go to a lot of them. Um, there was one that I was at where the sheriff actually had a gun pointed at my head, like 10 feet away from me. Um, and then on top of all of that, he was like winking at me. He was blowing like kisses at like air kisses at me and my friend. Um, so I think that was when I was like, all right, fuck this shit. Like that's when I think I, really like hit the actual like radical 
like I had no faith in the system at all. And then it was like the intersectionality and it like finally came to like a close, like, damn, I'm black, I'm brown. I'm also a woman, like that shit, the intersectionality of that. And just like really looking at the patriarchy and like how it plays a part in this system is like, I think that was when like all, all hell broke loose for me, honestly. Um, and that just really got me so angry and, and so just like, not even anger or anger, yes, but like definitely wanting to be in the community and just like that love um, that I was saying that really like took over. And so that I think was the moment for me that I couldn't turn back from. Um, and so that's, that's where I'm at today. Yeah. And just going off of what Michaela said, um, like we share, we have like a lot of similar similarities, which is like, I think like we kind of drew us together. Um, Cause like, I'm, I like share the same identity as her as like, I'm also like considered like through the eyes of um, this state, um, multi-ethnic, um, I'm half Mexican and half black. But see, the difference with me is like, I was raised in like my black household and my great granddaddy. And um, like, I had already, I had always known from like the jump that like, I'm black. Um, and I, I always knew that I was Mexican too, but I never like learned Spanish like that. Um, I'd say that like I spent like most of my my childhood best friend who lived a couple doors down from my great granddaddy's house was black and like his family used to treat me like I was like one of theirs like I used to call like his aunt that he lived with Auntie Franny too and like um, uncle like uh, uncle um, and like I called him auntie and uncle and stuff like that and then um, it didn't like hit me because I like when you realize you're black um, and you're like uneducated about like what that actually means. Um, it usually doesn't hit you until later about like kind of how that shaped you because like in my high school, it was mostly like Latinx, um, like I think over 90%, but like, I didn't know Spanish. Um, I didn't know like a lot of like the cultural practices of like being Latinx. Um, so I kind of, I kind of just like knew that I was black. Like my nickname in high school was like Obama. Um, like they call me Obama. Cause like that's, what the like their idea of like a smart well-spoken like black person was um and now like I hate that nigga but like it is what it is um and then like they then like in college like my roommate he was black um and like m one of my best friends to this day he lived two dorms down he was black and there's three black people on our floor and then like we were all we were hella close uh just naturally and then like I went from being like a, one of the few black people in like a Latinx space to s not really thinking it was that bad. And so like actually learning about like microaggressions and like how anti-blackness can look in non-white communities. Um, and then I went to UCSB that was predominantly white. And I was like, damn, like now I'm in a space where <laughs> there's like even fewer black people. And it's like experiencing anti-blackness from like white people and like some Latinx folks that are out there too, um, which they were like the second, like, um, like biggest group out there. And then like also anti-black, like anti-blackness from basically any, any demographic that wasn't black. And then like, I think once I like took some black studies, um, courses like intro to critical race, I realized I was like, damn, like all this shit is fake. And they treat me like this certain way because I'm black and it's like, everybody does it. And then I like, that's when I kind of like adopted a little bit of like, fuck it, like just us for us. Like it's only black people um, that could 
liberate black people. And I think like the course that um, us three took, I don't know if Gabe was in the course as well, um, the We Are Our Own Liberators with Jalil Muntakim, um, kind of just like gave me that juice that like all the other um, like radicals that I've read on have been giving me, but just like having a, cor- a course with like a living elder who was part of the black power movement um, with the Black Panthers was like, that's kind of what I really needed to hear because I was just mad. Um, and like, once you wake up and be like, damn, like that shit is fucked up. Like, I'm just mad. The shit got to go. Um, once he kind of like was talking about, um, we got to build systems outside of what exists or else like, we're going to just rebuild the same types of existences. I was like, yeah, fuck that. Like it's time to build instead of just like worrying about like destroying right now. So yeah. What I, man, what I love about these interviews is like, like every, like it, it kind of shows just the, the, the reality of like developing your, your political consciousness within, I think, especially within like the imperial core, I don't, imperial core, I don't think everybody's like the same, obviously, uh, everyone you've interviewed has been so much different, but there's like the commonalities is this, is the fact that we, we have to give ourselves like grace in, in terms of like this this journey of our political consciousness because um i think it's obvious and y'all highlighted it too that like there's this, this such an intentional and like violent attempt um to misinterpret our histories um and and like without that like we're so lost and we're so deluded from the truth and like what we're pursuing and what our purpose is and and what uh, our ancestors have done and resisted and built um, and, and so like, it was, it's dope to hear that both of y'all was like, as you were able to piece together and better interpret your own histories and your own ancestries, that's what kind of helped you to more clearly understand your own conditions and how to change them. Um, and I think that's like what I've really noticed with these, with these interviews is like within the empirical core, like we're so like brainwashed and I, Jaleel talks about it hella, like we're so brainwashed. Uh, from such a young age and all of our institutions that it's hard our brains become warped and it's hard to kind of see through that uh, and so I, I just love listening to 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 the way people struggle with that and how they get through that um, so I just wanted to acknowledge that that's that's super dope um, but I'll, I'll push to the next question it's kind of related to the, what you ended with Mikey uh, and so y'all can kind of um, talk more about Jaleel's class or however y'all want to jump into it but I kind of want to know what y'all think and you've already talked about it but the importance of, of political education, the importance of studying, the importance of being able to interpret our history um, so that we do understand our conditions, so that we don't make the same mistakes, so that we can build these uh, decolonization programs and then eventually build our own institutions, our own systems, our own communities. Um, so within that, how, what's the importance to y'all of like political ed, of being able to interpret our history and, and studying? Uh, you want me to go, Michaela, or you want to go? Um, I can go and you can jump in if you want to. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So political education is like a pillar, if not one of the most important things, um, in doing any of this work. And, and you said it, um, just kind of like when we're just trying to not be brainwashed and just like read and study things that we never were fed because since we were born, we're born into this like propaganda machine, this institution that like just, you know, institutions don't get tired, right? And like they really out here um, every day trying to like keep us in a box. Um, 
And I always like look at it as this, we're reimagining and we're like this imagination of imagining a world that we're not in and that we, this institution works so hard to take away from us. Um, so the lack of creativity and just the things that they, this institution does, uh, we need to, we need to arm ourselves with, um, just with our history. Um, like, like you had said, just our history and knowing where, who we are and where we come from and just our ancestors and the people before us and what they've done. Um, it's extremely important to build any type of, any type of revolution, um, to build any type of, um, anti-institution um work so political education is really like like i was saying it's it's one of the pillars um you can't really do work if you're just doing it with no you know no drive or no like goal um if you're just doing it to do it that's great but like we always say that's kind of charity um which we don't we're, we are not a charity um org or we don't believe in charity. We believe that there's a reason, right? And there's a political reasoning for doing what we do. Um, and feeding people is not charity. Feeding people has, there's a political drive with that. There's a reason for that um, because we know that our institution is not going to feed people and it's going to let people die. Um, and so just knowing the history as well is so important because they try to rip that from you. They've been trying to rip it from us when they put us on ships, right? 400 years ago and trying to pull us from our continent. Um, so just knowing and engaging in the history, even of itself is just anti-institution. And it's something that this institution will work overtime to make sure that people do not know where they come from, because when people know where they come from, that's like the biggest weapon that they can have. Um, and so Mike, if you want to jump in, go ahead <laughs> yeah um exactly what like Michaela said about like how feeding people um is not like charity or like make it it's, it's like a survival program um that was like one of the programs that people don't really look at the Black Panther Party for and kind of like one of the programs that like influence the formation of Feed the Black like it's who do you think is gonna lead um, to revolution. It's like, if all of our people are dying because of their conditions, um, like that's worse for us. Cause we're, we're lower in numbers. We have less people to spread, um, like power for our self-autonomous community. And that's like the way the system's designed. Right. And like just existing, um, and surviving is like a political statement more, more with like elder, um, Jaleel. It's like, Political education is so important. Like, imagine um, if we had more elders that weren't being, like, part of systemic genocide of, like, Africans um, that were, like, able to pass down these oral histories like Jaleel was able to. Because, like, I personally don't think um, I, I can hold up a candle to anything that Jaleel or the, the Panthers, original Panthers, have done. So it's, like, <clears throat> I think it's important to, like, realize, like, it's humbling and it's also like inspiring because it's like damn like look at all that they were able to do they were able to like have a daily breakfast program um they had like so much membership and they became like a international party that was able to send troops like the panthers um to vietnam to help fight against imperialism it's like that was possible um through like the pe a people's movement but then you got like people out here nowadays like starting these um orgs where they're like we're the we're the we're the stars of the show and like 
we're we're doing all this like good work and stuff like that but it's like what's your politic um what what influenced like the formation of your org because like if you just like started your org on some like happy-go-lucky like oh we're about to do so much um and we're about to like just be our own little like organization it's like yeah but have you built on like an existing struggle that's been around for centuries um or do you like acknowledge like the mistakes and the progresses that like all of the elders have made because like if it wasn't for the black panther party's free breakfast program um like most people in california wouldn't have free lunch because the state was seeing they're like damn like they're becoming super self-sufficient um and self-autonomous so we gotta step in as a state and start giving poor people um free lunch at school because these panthers are doing it um and then it's also like then when you see how hard the system works against um like radicals and those like with who are politicized and who who give political education like it can range from assassinations um like jailing um or just like even like intimidation um then you realize it's like you got to move safe like if you're if you grow super fast and you're like in the the center you're the center of attraction and you haven't faced like any opposition from the status quo um the ones who uphold the status quo then it's like I don't think that you can call yourself like a radical or like say that you're building a radical. Um, and then like <laughs> just going off of that, it's like once you know what the OG radicals like stood for, it's like it's hard for you to give credit to like all these people who are co-opting. It's like you're calling like the vice president or like the president of the empire. Like that's radical progress. It's like, no, it's not like it's like the conditions are the same um and like the radicals before us like all spoke on the conditions and none of these people who y'all are calling radical um are even like addressing they're not even like willing to like address like say the conditions so it's like it just helps shape kind of like a vision and like going off like the last point like that jaleel course like for your mind and your ass will follow and it's like it, it doesn't I went on a long winded little rant right there, but it's like, once you actually do free your mind, then it's like you start moving for the people and doing what you got to do to um, make sure that we get free. Yeah. I just want to add to what Mikey was saying. Um, everything he said is like so valid and so on point. Um, but when we talk about co-opting too, like a lack of political education in the org, like y'all are just liberals. <laughs> y'all are really just a nonprofit out here. Just, you know, doing whatever you think you're doing. Um, and it's dangerous. It's, it's actually super dangerous to the movement. It's super dangerous to just have mutual aid in your name, but you don't stand for anything. You're having uh, events named after Muhammad Ali, who was not about that shit, who was not, would ever work with the police um, or any politicians to do a food drive. So it's just, um, I think having lack of political education is really dangerous. Um, the co-opting, we see it. We've seen it all in the IE, the people that are, you know, have thousands of followers on their accounts and they're doing all this great stuff. They're all like, if you really look into it, they're all wanting to be politicians. Um, and so I think that that lack of knowledge of like what they're doing and like their lack of mutual aid is like super dangerous to the movement and to just anything in general. So. 
Yeah. And um, it's like, we've seen it firsthand. Um, I'm, we're younger, lower, we're like lower 20s. Um, so I know like some of the our comrades are like, they were voting in like the Obama election. And like, I didn't vote until the Hillary election. My one and only vote went to a loser. Um, so there's that. But then um, they, it's just like, once it's, if you're not politically educated, like co-optation is just easy. And then it's like, once your movement is co-opted, then it becomes a norm or like, the popular belief that like, oh, like representation is such like something that should be celebrated and something that should be like highlighted. It's like, bro, like now everybody's all satisfied off these concessions when it's like, bro, you're still poor. Um, like most people po are still impoverished um, in America, black and brown people. And it's like, why are you celebrating that? It's like, how, do, how does that affect your life? And then it's it's just um it's tough to fight against because like it's just so it's such a well-oiled machine but it's like once you get into the field and start doing the work and showing people it's like look like this is material needs these are material needs that are getting addressed right here right now by the community um not just by like somebody who wants you to celebrate them just for like just for nothing down here like fuck like fuck them like it's like Obama got celebrated, but he signed like a Blue Lives Matter bill. Um, and like, he was very anti-black, like Kamala, she's a whole cop. Um, and she said the other day, I think it was like this week actually, that like America is not a racist country. Um, and it's just like, these are the people you want us to celebrate? Like, fuck that, like, nah, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. It's not moving me. Uh, I just I want to hop in really quick, uh, Mikey, because what you were talking about there kind of kind of made me think about something else too, which is like in this moment, um, thinking of like uh, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and movies like this, uh, we're seeing sort of like this intersection of these two movements, like one of which is like um, I think fear, um, and I think like in in a movie like Judas, Judas and the Black Messiah, like the fear of being uh, you know, killed, but also like sort of the celebration of the informant. Um, yeah, like this this idea of like a the the Pro universe. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that's a, a great way of putting that, DJ. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> um, and then like sort of simultaneously running into this idea of like uh, celebrity um, and success through um, the mechanisms of the system itself, right? Like. Um, it seems almost like we're in this moment where activism has become um, activism, like trademark TM uh, this thing of like actually being successful within the system that, that we're like supposed to be organizing against. Um, so I don't, I don't know. It's not really like a question. It just, it's just sort of like kicked. Like I just sort of saw these two things coming together and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree. It's um, cause like being aware of like COINTELPRO and the, history of state violence is important because like we don't like the goal is not to like die um like that's that's never the goal it's like i don't think martyrdom is like a it's like a, it's not a goal nobody wants to like die um but like i think in revolutionary suicide by huey p newton um he kind of put it like in a way that made a lot a lot of sense um he quoted shea um and he said uh that to a revolutionary, death is the reality, and victory, the dream. 
Um, and like another quote from the book that kind of made sense that like kind of like wraps like the whole like revolutionary existence is that um, to a, a revolutionary, um, the first lesson a revolutionary must learn is that he is a doomed man, um, which could be like interpreted like through any like identity that's like revolutionary. It's like the, the odds are stacked against us and it's like, we can be aware of those odds, but also it's like, it's better to um, like fight for a better existence and, and like go out that way than to just like go out and go out from like the sorrows and like just like overall unhealth of your conditions. It's like, you want to go out with the fight or do you want to go out just like laying down and letting like the oppressors just fully win? Um, and I think that's like a, that's that's a lesson that I think every revolutionary must learn. It's like, yeah, like we're, we're, pro we're, 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 it's not looking too good in our favor, but like more and more people that we have in our corner, it's like, that's when we start. Um, it's like a long fight. It's like, we, we all, we have a duty to keep the fight going because we're not the first ones to do it. So, yeah. No, I, I love that. And kind of one thing that I'm pulling from both of y'all uh, or from like everything that's been said, um, and I've been reading a lot of, or not reading, but listening to a lot of uh, Kwame Ture. And one thing he talks about a lot um, in, in like his, his speeches later on in his life, or I guess not later on, because one of them was in 1973, but uh, he talks about like, because y'all, first of all, y'all talked about like the importance of like having principles, right? And having like this political foundation. And like Ture talks about like, if you don't, um, then your 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 process, your revolution, your your organizing is not scientific. It's not. It can't be held to the fire and be proven true. And, and in fact, it can be held to the fire and, and it burns. It, it it shows that it is it is backwards. That it's a um, conflicting system. That it's a, it contradicts itself. Capitalism, all of these things, right? And so, um, I, I just love that you highlight the, the need for. Um, to be principled and to understand the scientific process and the scientific steps that it takes to achieve these things. Um, and so I, just, I think that's just super uh, important. Um, and as we kind of close this section, just for, for the folks listening, uh, I want to read this quote from, from commentary where he talks about kind of this exact thing that you both were talking about and, and that you highlighted that, that Jaleel is doing right now. Like all of his focus right now is on this thing that, that commentary talks about. So I just want to read the quote first um, and then see if y'all have any thoughts or reactions. Uh, so he says, I would like to encourage you as one of your responsibilities to our people to make a proper and correct interpretation of our history, not only for yourselves, but for the masses of our people. Because I tell you that if our history is not correctly interpreted, it will demobilize you. Most of our history was written by the enemy. We know that. It was written by our oppressors. That's understood. But even let's take an example of their history, which they write. Like John F. Kennedy. When you read about John F. Kennedy, you say, that's not the one I knew about. They make Kennedy sound like such a liberal. They make him sound as if he was the white hope coming to free all the oppressed people of the world, you know? Kennedy was a fascist. He was. It was Kennedy who invaded the sovereign territory of the peoples of Cuba under the Bay of Pigs invasion. It was Kennedy. And I remember he came before the American public and he lied. He said, I didn't know anything about it. And then Castro put a whooping on him, something that he would never forget. Castro came out and he threw documents on him and he came before the American public and he said, I'm sorry, I lied. I knew about it. Interpretation of a history is important. If you don't have it correctly, it will warp everything for you. It will put it out of focus. When we read about our people, there's nothing significant. It's all negative. But their people are all positive. We have a responsibility to correctly interpret our history so that it can inspire our people. We must inspire them. 
And I, I just thought like that, that quote um, was like, just like, it is exactly what y'all are talking about. And is exactly what like elder Jaleel Montekim is doing right now, like with his organizing work. Um, do y'all want to respond to that or do you want to kind of bump to the next topic? That's just like fucking, I've never heard that quote before, but that was wild. Um, and I always say like, and I think Jaleel also said this too, like it's, this is our duty. Like this is, this is not an option. Um, this is like our duty for our people and for our history and for our ancestors. Um, and we fight for life. Like, I think Mikey was talking about it. Like we don't, we're not doing this in the hopes of some activist, celebrity activists and the death, um, like just dying a diet, a, a violent death, um, to be put on a newspaper and to be part of this, you know, quote unquote movement. Like this shit is really deep and it, it's insane to think about it. And the way that this state and this institution and this country has taken stripped so much from us and our people, like we don't even know our own history. Um, and that itself is violence um, and it's violence against us. And it happens every day, every minute of the day. Um, so really engaging in knowing where you come from um, is just, it's so, so important. So yeah, that, that quote, it really hit me. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, Tere is on point. Um, I'm also a member of um, an organization called the All African People's Revolutionary Party. And um, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to, overshadow any of Toure's words because he never misses. And I think like that, that was a great quote because <laughs> there's very few who just coldly and like bluntly put it. Um, he, he just like went, was intentional with his words and one of the best orators of our, um, of modern history for sure. And I think that more people need to be up on game on uh, Kwame Toure. So I recommend Everybody listening to this, go look up some Kwame Ture speeches right now. Uh, Afro-Marxist, because um, he be spitting game 24-7. Yeah, for real. His misogyny leaks out every once in a while, but his uh, his analysis is always on point. Always on point. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll bump then. So the, the last kind of set of questions we have for y'all, just we want to jump from what we've been talking about and talk about the field work. Uh, like what it takes to actually implement this shit that y'all been talking about. So um, tell us a little bit about Feed the Black IE, uh, history of the organization, how it got started, and and, and kind of like your founding principles, um, which you've kind of talked about a little bit. Uh, you want to go ahead, uh, Michaela, with this one? Because um, I know like me and, me and Michaela, like both, like we just met up randomly um, through our mutual friend. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know if Michaela wants to like speak on how we came about our principles, but it was really just like we're homies from the same community, same city. Um, we don't really have that much of like a revolutionary slash like even like a I wouldn't even say that we have like a rad live presence in the city of Ontario. Um, and I think like we both got together and like saw that there is a need for the conditions to be met because we had both like graduated the year of the pandemic, we moved back into like the worst like job market, it seems like. Um, and like the only place to work here in the IE mostly is like, you either gotta go out to the OC or like work at an Amazon factory um, or like 
get out of here, um, unfortunately. And I don't know if Michaela wants to go um, and speak on our, our principles. Yeah, um, so I can talk a little bit about both too. Um, so kind of like what Mikey said, we met through a mutual friend um, who actually is also in Feed the Block too. Um, and we just kind of, we were both doing our own thing um, in different capacities. Mikey was doing like, he had just done a backpack drive. And I know we were just talking about like seeing our people and just, we were both from Ontario. So we were looking at just Ontario and the large houseless population that we have um, and just the needs of our people. Um, and that's kind of how we came about, honestly. Mikey was like, oh, we should do like, you know, we should, we should feed the people. And I was like, yeah, dope. And then he was like, oh yeah, like we should call it feed the buck. And I was like, but, and that's literally how the name came up. Um, and I guess I knew people from like summer, just, I met so many new people, um, with just getting involved in like meeting people through the work and, and other, um, protests and demonstrations and stuff. And, um, there's actually another group. They're called IE Uprisings. They're more of like a political insert or not political. Well, they are political, but they're more of like an Instagram of, of like just like telling the people what's going on. Um, they have like like articles and they just be posting really interesting and super super radical shit. Um, and they they grouped us into um, areas and like they're like if you're from Ontario, like we're making a group message and then. That's how the other members in um, our org, um, I ended up meeting them. And then I linked up with Mikey and then we told them our idea that we had of doing food drives and they were with it. And Mikey and I both have shared similar political or just politics and stuff. And we shared it with the group and all of them also were on the same, um, had the same politics as us. And it just, it just happened, honestly. Um, and so we always, um, for us, our politics are definitely very intersectional. Um, Mikey is our only cis man in the group. Um, and so we are black led, mostly, um, woman and non, um, gender conforming. And we just, completely first, our first principle is, is black liberation. Um, we believe in pan-Africanism. We, we believe of the liberation of black people on and off the continent. Um, we really want to center um, black feminist thought and intersectionality. Um, we want to prioritize black, black voices, trans, queer, femme, disabled, fat, houseless, prisoners, everybody that um, this state doesn't, doesn't highlight or doesn't um, have love for. Um, and we just are pro, um, police abolition, um, we're very, we take a very, um, strong stance against just hate and harm. And we know that this state and, um, this institution is just a machine for, for reproducing harm and that can come in prison and police. It comes in all different, um, aspects. It comes through politicians, through nonprofits, through government. Um, so we are not, <laughs> we are not politicians. We are not wanting to be politicians. We're not a nonprofit. Um, we don't work with any politicians or nonprofits. Um, we really, really center black radical tradition um, in the forefront. And 
for us, we just want to create a safe space also um, in our um, org. And just we want to center um, just black voices and indigenous voices and trans voices. And um, we fight for the survival of our community. Um, and I always say we we use this term radical love and all we got is us because it's, it's the truth, honestly, like all we got is us and the love we have for our community overshadows any, the hate that we have for this institution. Um, so we're really built off of radical love, honestly, and black tradition. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Mikey, I don't know if you want to add anything else to it. Yeah. Um, it's cause like we're from the West IE and I think like me and Michaela both just, move back um and like we weren't too like we're still a fairly new organization in my opinion and it's like i know that um when we had moved back black power collective was known as like blmie and they even when they had the name um black lives matter and then empire they still carried out like a radical politic um and i think um once we like started our group we realized it was like damn like um because the conditions like affect black and brown folks um slightly differently um in the ie like the west ie as of now um and then like most of our like organization it's like we wanted to center and like put black marginalized identities first and foremost but it's like we're not like the we're not like the colonizer where it's like it's not an oppression um, hierarchy or it's not like an oppression race. It's like my personal politic is um, like we have to liberate Africa and the continent through scientific socialism. But also it's like we're going to help all oppressed identities. It's not like you can't you can't you can be like a black separatist. But then you also have to acknowledge that like the allies are going to end up being like the people who face the same violence of this imperial and like colonial state um like indigenous peoples and like the global south um it's like who do you think is going to be africa's allies it's not going to be um european nations or like nations that practice colonialism it's going to be the nations that have been like experiencing the violence of imperialism and colonialism so i think it kind of just really came down to the fact that like we need to address like the class conditions right now um and in uh, this portion of the IE, because that's that's what we we have the capacity to do. Um, it's not like we can um, like we we have a couple political education um, plans in the future, but as of now, it's like we need to get the material conditions met because uh, that's like our capacity um, as of now. But yeah, it definitely it it was um, it's it's like a learning process. It's like we're still fairly new and we still like we're, we try to build and partner with as many like-minded orgs as we can. Um, but yeah, um, I lost my train of thought right there a little bit, but it's a, it's a movement. It's an intersectional movement and like anybody who's willing to create something new and like they're not down for this current existence and want to create like a socialist, um, like some, scientifically socialist world, then we got to link up. Yeah, I love that. And I love how much uh, in reality, like our groups overlap a little bit too, like based off what Michaela was saying and what you were saying, like 
I mean, you, you said this, the, I forget the phrase exactly, but something along the lines of like, uh, we got us, right? And like, that's our larger coalition name is like, we got us OC. Like that's the, the larger mutual aid groups. Um, so I'm, I hope eventually we can uh, tap in and, and get more linked uh, in the real world as well and support each other's um, organizing on the ground. Um, and also I love the point, Michaela, that you made that, I mean, like our group as well is mostly run by like senoras and like femme and non-binary folks. Like those are the folks getting the work done on a day-to-day basis. Like you might hear our voices on the pod or whatever, because we like to do political ed. Like that's not who's doing the day-to-day shit. Like they, they like they really be in the field <laughs> and it really be bringing the numbers for the org. So I, lo- I love to hear that. Um, so I, I guess um, the, the last final question um, is, is kind of thinking about your trajectory, your trajectory and your plans. Um, Cause I love this like organic way that y'all came about, right? Like we got to meet a need. Um, biggest need we can meet is like, people are hungry, right? Like what are we going to go about doing all this other stuff? People can't eat. People don't have access to food, don't have access to their basic needs, access to shelter. Um, so with that, like, what are your plans kind of moving forward? You talked about how, like in terms of from Jaleel's class, right? The importance of focusing on what we're building. Um, so like going into the summer, going into this next year, next couple of years, like what's what's really big for y'all in terms of, of building either uh, independently or alongside these other organizations as well? Yeah, so I can start it. Um, so for us, I think Mikey mentioned it. Um, we are a small group. We're only about six of us. Um, and, you know, we all have lives, right? Like shit this is, it's COVID, it's quarantine, life is hard um, for all of us. So we, we're really focusing on how are we going to expand membership, but how are we going to open and expand membership in a way that is sustainable um, and it's not rushed and we want it to be really intentional. Um, so for us, that is the next thing um, is opening up membership and getting more people involved um, because we just want as many people from the community to be um, doing this work, right? And hopefully even if they're with us for a little bit and they get inspired and get creative and just want to do their own thing and be, we are a hundred percent support of autonomy. Um, so, but we really want people to come in and to start, you know, and to start branching out and to start doing things. Um, and if that's with us, then that's great. Um, and if it's on their own, then that's amazing too. So that's definitely one thing that we're working on is opening up membership. And along with that is political ed. Um, So we are expanding to being more of, uh, we are a mutual aid group, but we're expanding to be more of a multifaceted organization. Um, So that includes the political ed that Mikey and another community or another Feed the Block member have been working on. And with that, we just want to offer classes to the community um, and to our members and to and to us, too. We want to take it alongside of everybody because there's not a bad time to learn and to and to study these things and to to refresh um, our our points and our goals um, and our principles. So that's definitely like the more recent or the more upcoming things um, along with organizing with other groups. We are very close to Black Power Collective. Um, We do a lot of work with them. Um, And we do a lot of work with another organization, it's a mutual aid organization, More Hope Project, which is in San Bernardino. Um, And we're just doing a whole bunch of stuff. So we've done mutual aid malls that include like passing out clothes, 
food, hot food. We've passed out, you know, bus passes. We bus, we've did a whole program of community grants. So we just gave people money and like building people's autonomy and be like, y'all need money. Just take it for whatever you need. We know rent is coming up. We know groceries are, you know, expensive. So it's definitely, we're pushing towards um, just opening up the things that we can do and the abilities and the capacity of our org and just branching out and doing different radical things. Cause we know food is pressing, right? It's always, people always need food. It's something that they need to live. Um, but we know that um, the rent moratorium is going to end starting in June. And a lot of people are going to start, you know, are facing eviction. Um, so we're definitely trying to look at that and how we can best support um, the tenants because we have a high number of tenants in the IE. I think it's one of the highest in California. Um, and so, yeah, we're just, we're just, you know, building on what we've been doing and building on ideas and creativity. We have a lot of creativity in our group, which is really dope. And it's like a amazing weapon against the state, honestly. Um, and one thing that we definitely want, or what I personally want from Feed the Block to achieve is honestly just getting like working with indigenous groups from the IE that have been here. Um, this is their territory. This is their land. Um, and working with them to get some type of community center to get land back for them um, and to have actual community center that is completely free for the community. That means like community gardening. That means political ed classes. That means cooking classes. That means um, having a place where people can come for free and just like lay their heads if they need a place to stay, wash their clothes, a whole community run, community led, community based um, complex compound, honestly. And with that, the native population that's from here has all authority and autonomy over it um, as a way to give land back to them. So that is definitely something I would say in the, in the years of I personally, and I know Feed the Block has shared a similar sentiment um, that's definitely something for the IE, um, the larger groups, I guess our mutual aid collectives around the IE have all been in discussion about. So that's definitely something on the, on the brinks for us. Yeah. Um, I share basically the same, um, beliefs and like vision that Michaela has. Um, we're just coming off hiatus because, um, like she stated, there's only six of us, um, and like life happens, um, like we're all facing capitalism and you know how like tiresome that could be like no matter what. Um, but yeah, like we came off like just the Ontario explosion, um, which was like random um, and just like very like just unexpected. It's like, I don't think really many, many groups would um, be preparing for that. Um, and like this, the city of Ontario didn't react as like accordingly as like they gave those families like a week in a hotel um, and then like went to their social medias and uh, like said, look at, look at this great job we're doing. Like we're doing such a good job when it's like, bro, like we all like us as the community all had to crowdfund um, just to like make sure that these people could either be like these families that like our neighbors could be rehoused and like, um, and just like survive based off of like this random event, you know? Um, but it's like, 
that's why I think we do want to build Feed the Block where it's like, if something like that were to happen and obviously like the state slash city, like they're going to not provide aid um, and like toss liability around, like enact like all, all the violence of the state on these people to like criminalize them just for existing. Um, it's like, yeah, we, we definitely just got to keep growing this, um, keep like building power within the IE so we can just be able to sustain ourselves because obviously the state doesn't care if we stay or go just as long as we're providing cheap labor um just as long as <clears throat> just as long as enough of us are around to provide some cheap labor they're happy so but we want the, our people and our communities to thrive be fully autonomous and uh yeah i think that's the vision we just got to keep going building power and decolonizing um the structure of power that exists right now Sure. And, and I just want to say, as we, as we close, um, like, I just want to highlight those points, um, especially for folks listening, right? Like, the point of political ed isn't just to, to, to be able to, like, intellectually masturbate with yourself or with your homies. Like, the point of fucking political ed is to take the knowledge and build, like, functional um, cadres, build functional systems and groups and coalitions, right? And so... Um, I also want to like push this that we definitely have to be more intentional about leaking up, right? Because exactly what y'all talking about is, is is exactly what our communities need, especially if you're talking about like you're talking about the explosion in Ontario, talking about the fire season coming up, talking about the heat, the heat waves that are gonna be coming up and only gonna be getting worse and worse. Like we have to have systems and institutions and programs that can help our communities recover from those things and survive those things. Um, and like, there's no way I, I know for a fact, there's no way we can do it alone. Right. Like the only way I think we can do it is if we start to, to build like direct connections and networks amongst these groups um, and, and being able to support each other in supporting our communities. Um, so like count me in for, for coming up and, pull, uh, and pulling up with y'all and, and helping physically on the ground too. Um, Cause I think that's super important. Um, but I, so last thing, like, I just want to give y'all space to kind of drop whatever y'all want. Um, if y'all want, drop your Twitter, uh, shout out the Feed the Block IE socials, shout out the other groups y'all work with. Um, just give y'all space to, to do whatever y'all need. Uh, no, I just want to thank, um, thank y'all for having us and um, thank Michaela, my, definitely like my first like local comrade that I met out here. Um, and she does like hella work. Um, and I just wanted to make sure like to give her her flowers because she's very organized. Um, I'm an organizer, but I'm an unorganized person. And then um, the homegirl Michaela, she's very organized, uh, very intentional. And I felt like I've learned a lot from her as well as like the other members, uh, the women and femmes in my group, um, just like how to, how to like step back and check my check my actions and as well as like they they make it like they move so like gracefully and like with so much knowledge to the field where it's like I have to be accountable to them um like I, I want to be accountable to them um and it's like I just wanted to like highlight and shout out like Michaela and all of like the women and femmes that are doing most um of the labor because I'm just like one member of the collective um and yeah i just wanted to like make sure that um anybody listening to this doesn't like equate myself with like feed the block because it is a collective and it's like the labor is split um and all the comrades like 
they all deserve just just because me and Michaela are on this pod um, doesn't mean like our other members aren't just as equally um, as important as us. So yeah, um, all love to you, Michaela, and all love to our members. And yeah. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mikey. I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, that was that was so nice. Um, but shout out to you for all the labor that you put in um, and for being the only cis hit man and actually like taking a step back when we tell you to sit back. <laughs> we tell you to shut up sometimes, but we love you. Um, but yeah, definitely want to shout out everybody in Feed the Block. Um, I organize, I'm organized as Mikey likes to call me because I'm the Virgo of the group. Um, but I do it for everybody. I do it for y'all. And like, I love this group. Honestly, I think a really important part is like a lot of groups can have um, conflict in, in uh, like amongst them and that can really ruin a group and people's egos can really take over and just like cause a lot of harm. But just shout out our group because we really like got the shit down. Like not only are we really good friends um, and we're actually really compatible, but we also have like the ability to resolve conflict and to talk about it and to hold each other accountable um, when things are said or actions are, are done. And we have a, a whole way of doing that. And actually that's a, an outline for that. Um, so I just want to shout out to all all the people in Feed the Block, um, y'all are amazing. Um, y'all inspire me every day um, for this and and is the reason why, you know, y'all are the reason why we're, we're still here and we're together. Um, so shout out Feed the Block, the rest of us. Shout out Mikey. Shout us out on um, Instagram and Twitter. And we have a Facebook, but I'm sorry, I don't know how to work it. So it's kind of not working. Um, and yeah, also shout out to More Hope Project, Black Power Collective, IE Uprisings, and everybody in the in those groups and in those areas. Y'all have really helped us. Um, and y'all are just amazing comrades to have in this struggle. And shout out to both of y'all um, for having us here. It's been an amazing, amazing talk. So thank y'all. I know some of y'all here today because y'all think jail is cool. But see, y'all wouldn't know nothing about that. Ain't cool about jail, nigga. Ain't cool I've been here 10 years, and I ain't never getting out. Never. I ain't do much, just kill somebody. Yeah. It ain't like the nigga ain't have it coming. He sure did. So y'all think it's just about us in here, but this is about an oppressive hey. system designed to keep niggas down and Y'all wouldn't know nothing about that. What about you, little nigga? You know about that? Yes. Oh, you know about that? Tell me what you know about that. Tell me what you think about that. The prison industrial complex is a system situated at the intersection of government and private interests. It uses prisons as a solution to social, political, and economic problems. It includes human rights violations, the death penalty, slave labor, policing, courts, the media, political prisoners, and the elimination of dissent. Nigga, did you just say what I was trying to say, but smarter? 